Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the Better Up Podcast on the 28th day of July 2020 as we go through and try to navigate the (laughs) uncharted waters that is the baseball season during a pandemic. Willie P here with you, along with Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson. I say hello to my two cohorts. Hello, Joseph. Hey, Will, how's it going? Are we only four days into the season? It feels like we're it feels like we're 40 days into the season. Yes, well, we are technically 4 times 2.72. So actually we're more like 8 games into the season. Okay. So eight, okay. 8 plus games in a season. Hello Caleb Johnson. We're all doomed and nothing matters. <laughs> What's up guys? <laughs> all right. Um I feel like if we had done this podcast on Monday at this time, there would be a different tinge. But since we're doing it Tuesday at this time, There's obviously a lot more that's happened, not just in the game at large, but most importantly in Atlanta, where we sit, where uh, the look at the rotation, instead of Spawn and Sade in two days of rain, it's Soroka and Freed in three days of need, uh, because of the fact that the Braves really don't have viable rotation spots beyond those two aforementioned guys, and the one guy who I think we had looked to try and maybe bounce back off of what we saw to end last year, Mike Voldenevich has now been designated for assignment. The Braves have seven days to either trade him or place him on waivers and then figure out exactly where he will sit and continue his career, whether it's in the Gwinnett Satellite Camp or with another franchise. But I'll start with you, Joe, as somebody who I think you know has said that this is almost something that feels like the Braves foresought. Uh, it's something that I think if you look back on things – Maybe we could have seen it coming, but it seems to me like this was something that was almost predestined before he even took them out on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was some big news around him, obviously, when he pitched in that preseason game against the Marlins. And then afterwards, his velocity was down in that game, just as it was against the Rays last night. And, uh, you know, after, after that game, he had the excuses that there was he didn't have the rosin out there, that it had rained, that the gun was inaccurate, all this stuff. And I, I don't think that the Braves brass were that happy about that. But to be honest, like, I don't think that that's why he was DFA'd necessarily. I think he was DFA'd because he's topping his fastball is topping out at 91 miles an hour right now. And Brian Snicker said after the game yesterday that he's a guy who's always been a stuff guy. He's a guy that really needs to have that 96 to 98 mile an hour fastball 
with that devastating slider that he was able to develop and worked so well for him in 2018. So if he doesn't have that, he's not the kind of guy who's going to, you know, be like a veteran and be fine around the edges and be really, uh, you know, a, a very kind of nuanced pitcher like that. He's a guy who's going to blow away, blow you away with what he's got and he doesn't have it anymore, which is it's really sad to see, but it's it, I guess it makes some sense in that respect. The craftiness, like you said, Joe, not there. You mentioned Brian Snicker's comments from Monday night. Here's some of them. After the last, you know, the couple outings in, in uh, the early camp, and, and um, we wanted to give it a go here, and, and it doesn't look like it, you know, it didn't, it was the same. You know, we didn't see enough, uh, enough increase in things, and, and um, in the velocity, I mean, it's, that's what is. That's who he's been. Is is you know this is, he's been a stuff guy for the entire time that we've had him, and and the stuff it hasn't been there. Brian Snicker from Monday Night Caleb. Um, this is kind of sad because redemption yeah. stories are what we usually love to cling to in baseball, and I made this this comparison on the air earlier today. You know, a lot of times we as sports fans we get somewhat ticked off when a guy underperforms but for this it's more sad than angry at least for me looking at him no i would 100 percent agree with that it's it's this idea of a guy who look one of the things we knew about fulty is that he wears his heart on his sleeve kind of deal you know like like you know exactly what he's thinking when you're watching him at home pitch like he he puts it all out there, and whether it's you know post game, which was why it was it's been frustrating and just odd to see him blame every single other thing other than himself. When it seems like in the past he was totally transparent about the fact of, yeah, something's not right with me mentally, and I've got to go and get get that figured out, which is what we thought he did last season when he went down to Quinette. And, you know, whether it's the, the wristband thing or just, I don't know, there's just some some kind of charisma about Fulte that you just wanted to see him do well. You wanted to, uh, there, I've seen it on Twitter, uh, people posting their individual stories about having some sort of relationship with Fulte, and you just root for the guy because he's, you know, he's just a good guy, and so you want to see him do well. Versus other guys who obviously sometimes, you know, might come off as a jerk or whatever. And so seeing it end this way with Fulte definitely feels more sad than frustrating. Just because you you hate it had to end like this. But you, on the other hand, you have to understand where the organization is. I'm very fascinated with one thing that obviously we're dealing with a shortened season, but... This kind of decision-making, is this the new way of of Alex Anthopoulos thinking, or is this because we are in a 60-game season? I don't know which. Brian Snicker spoke exactly to that. Obviously, I think because of the situation and, you know, we got 56 games left, and, and um, uh, it just kind of revs it up or, you know, makes it you know, hard to... Um, Wait for somebody to get something going. So, uh, I, I don't know. That's a little bit from Brian Snicker. I'll, I'll get to what's next with the Braves in a moment. Uh, but what's next for Fulty? Like we said, 
seven-day period where he can either be traded or uh, placed on waivers. Usually teams try to wait that full seven days to try and see exactly what they can get, if they can get something back for him. Otherwise, uh, he'd have to go through waivers before he comes back to the Braves and has the opportunity to be outrighted to the Gwinnett Satellite Camp. Joe Patrick, do you think it's Mike Fultonevich's last game he's pitched with the Braves? I think so. I think it is. I think that if uh, I just don't see him being able to make the resurrection that he needs to make at this point with the Braves, I think that he needs some time to build himself back up because like, you know, it's something that we were kind of texting about during the game last night. I mean, he looks skinny, like he looks like too skinny to be able and it, like it would make sense that that weight loss would kind of coincide with a velocity drop. And if he's able, if he wants to get his velocity back up, he probably needs to put on some more, put on some weight, put on some strength, which probably needs he's means he's going to need to get off of a normal throwing regimen. I just think it's there's going to be kind of like a longer buildup for him to get back to where he should be. Then say something like what happened last year, where the velocity was still pretty much there, but he needed to work on his. He needed to really kind of get his slider straightened out after he uh, had an elbow injury in spring training. So. I think that I just don't think that that's going to be with the Braves. I think that especially with the way that just the the DFA procedure works, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for another team to jump in and snag him. And to be honest, I think that maybe it would be best for him to to find just just get a new get a change of scenery. You know, and sometimes that's the best thing that can happen for a player is to just have a honestly, it's like a life change for them to, you know, get to a new city, um, be around some different coaches, teammates, that kind of thing and just have a fresh perspective on some things, and hopefully he can get back to where he was. I do want to just kind of add my own kind of anecdotes to on Fulte, because uh, Caleb was saying, you know, he'd been reading about some people talking about him uh, on Twitter and stuff. You know, just in, in my of my recollection, having covered the team in the clubhouse last year, Fulte is like a big kid. And I say that in like a really endearing way. Like, he's very... Um, He's just like a jovial, whimsical. Uh, obviously, he gets very down on himself too. Obviously, when things aren't going well, but he's yeah. like he's a joker, um, that kind of a guy, just very lighthearted and means well. And so I think that you know, I again, I just I just hate to see this for him. I was one of his kind of biggest um, defenders, especially after what happened in Game Five of the NLDS last year, where I still, if you go back and watch that start, he didn't get people weren't barreling him. You know, he was just kind of getting dinked around. And suffered from some bad luck, some defensive lapses, and things just did not break his way in that game. And if you look at game two, he pitched a freaking masterpiece when the Braves needed it in a huge situation. So, um, and that was such a huge moment for him to kind of capstone this return that he had had over the second half of the season. So, all that to say, I just hope that he can get right, but I don't think it's going to be with the Braves. Caleb, I think that if you look at the uniqueness of this season, I don't know how a a shipment to Gwinnett helps him. If we were in a a different type of season, a regular type of season, maybe uh, another trip to Gwinnett helps him figure things out like it did last year. But at the same time, I also think, you know, two consecutive trips to Gwinnett for a guy who was a former All-Star, it's, it's kind of put up or shut up time at this point. I just don't know how a trip to Gwinnett in this, in this rare season kind of helps him. I don't know how it does. No, I, and I don't think the Braves have any intentions. You, you, you were talking earlier about whether... Atlanta thinks he'll clear and end up back on Gwinnett. I don't think they make this move if they have any intentions of Fulte being back with the Braves. They just, it, 
it's like I said, it's it's sad, but I think the front office is washing their hands of Mike Fultonevich. They're just absolutely done. Someone else take you know control of him and and try to figure him out. But whether it seems like the the way they went about this is just bizarre. You just don't see a team, you know, having a guy struggle. And then before the game is even over, we're out here and, and he's been notified by the assistant GM that he's done, that he's, you know, that he's being designated. And and manager Brian Snicker, we come in the post game and, you know, the microphone is in his face and you totally expect Snicker to be like, yeah, well, you know, some decisions are being made and. Uh, you know, we'll comment on those at a later time. Instead, he's like, nah, he didn't have his stuff. It wasn't working out. We're just going to have to figure out something else. And it was just like, whoa, okay. So maybe the the concerns about his stuff were there. And then you add on the excuses. And maybe that's enough to, to make them upset. Or maybe they know something else behind the scenes that isn't being discussed. And that's what pushed them to this point. Because... You don't, you don't, as a, as a team who Alex Anthopoulos has said time after time that the Braves are planning on contending in this 60 game season, you don't make a move like that unless, you know, you've, you've thought this through, you know, because that's just a, you've already been depleted, whether it's Hamels or, or whether it's Felix Hernandez, you don't add another one to the list unless you have a plan. And obviously now the question is, what do the Braves do from here? You have Sean Newcomb, who had, I will call it a shaky start, even though he limited the damage through three and a third. You know, Tuki Toussaint, who is somebody who was used on Monday night, ineffectively, I would add, uh, who is on turn with where Fulte is in the rotation. Uh, there was talk on the radio today that uh, he could possibly be the one who slides into that slot, according to Alex Anthopoulos. There's a thought of Ian Anderson. Uh, there's a couple other guys that are Patrick in the satellite Patrick Weigel's in there. Um, <laughs> Tucker Davidson. Tucker Davidson's another one. I mean, Snit even Snit even with without being prompted said we could use an opener in, for, in right. that role, which was interesting. Uh, my, well, I guess that leads me to my question: What what do we go from here? Independent of what we see from Kyle Wright on Monday night, on uh, Tuesday night, I, I think that you were were certainly likely to see a um, planned piggybacking situation where we didn't haven't really seen that as much. I feel like in these first few games. Soroka gave you gave you a great outing. So did Freed. Both of those guys kind of went what you would expect a normal starter to go, and they were pretty much able to use a typical bullpen rotation there. I think you're almost. I think what the Braves will do is certainly like pencil in two guys that are going to be throwing that day. Um, that that are essentially both going to be designated as players who will be used. You know, obviously only one of them is going to start, but they will both kind of be considered as you know getting themselves prepared to throw two, three innings, something like that. And so hopefully you can just find two guys um, that can that can work in tandem and then get you to those late innings. That's that's what I think we'll see. Who those going to be? I don't know. Snit has talked really highly about Yuli Shasin since he's been here. Um, Josh Tomlin's always a guy that he's liked. But, you know, who knows? Because they might need those guys in the games before uh, out of the bullpen. Yeah, I think just because of, of like, Joe, what you were you were mentioning about Snit, throwing out the idea of an opener and then 
with Alex Anthopoulos coming out and saying that Tuki Toussaint is, is an option. I think the idea of Tuki starting as an as an opener, you know, I mean, what he he was two and a th- uh, two and two thirds uh, last night, and yes, he was a little shaky. And what uh, was that? Yeah. <laughs> well, but I think I mean that was just a it was an odd game in the first. They hit place. some good pitches that he made too. It was a laugher. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I think you know getting a fresh start, no one on base kind of deal for for Tuki to come in and maybe pitch two three innings and then piece something together after that is definitely a possibility. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, Shasin is is an option. Tucker Davidson is one who I'm I'm more of the idea of I'd love to see a guy like Tucker Davidson just because it's of, new as we've well as yeah it's new and as we've seen with Contreras coming in a guy that you know the the scouting report really isn't that detailed yet mm-hmm. maybe we can get some early luck out of it and in a 60 game season you know it, it kind of makes me think of of Austin Riley coming in where it was before people had the book on him, he looked great. And look, no one's really going to be able to put together a real detailed book this season. So do what you need to, to to go win a championship. I think outside of the starting pitching, and I think a lot of the very vocally voiced concerns about Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna, the, the Braves have looked like a very good group through the first four games. It's just a matter of managing the losses, managing the uh, expectations. Though the one thing I think if you want to take an overarching viewpoint, not just of the whole league, but I think in particular uh, this National League Eastern Division, parity is going to reign the day, and a lot of that has to do with these American League East teams. Uh, I think we all kind of snickered on Sunday Night Baseball when Chipper Jones uh, had picked the Rays as his World Series pick. Uh, we're seeing right now uh, the, in these games that the Braves are playing against Tampa Bay, Tampa's legit, and they can mash. Wait, totally. we, weren't just, we weren't just snickering at the fact that Chipper Jones was on air? Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He... Look, they've got to get that man back in studio. I love Chipper to death. Obviously, as the as the youngest of this group, that's a guy that I grew up on watching the Braves. Uh, the the early parts of his broadcasting career with him being at home. Woo! I will. I right. will. I will. Listen, okay, you're going to put me in a very difficult position to defend Chipper Jones here. I'm, I'm sorry. Look, I love the man. It just. I will uh, sit here and say uh, that. I will sit here and say that they did not put him in the best position to succeed. No, in, in that three-man booth no. with Boog, like I would rather have heard him alone with Boog instead of him, Boog, and Rick Sutcliffe. And, and I don't mean to say this as a negative thing to Rick Sutcliffe, but that man takes up a lot of the energy in the room. And yes, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's and very- Chipper stays right on par with it. That I mean, obviously, like, look, I'm I am a guy who I can be low energy. Trust me, but <laughs> look, I can be wow. very even keeled. Wow! Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm totally, totally yeah, yeah. honest about it. That's different. And it's one of those chipper, like, I, I know we're not sponsored by Advocare yet, but buddy, drink some spark or something before you go on broadcast. Like, it's just. I'm Caleb need, Johnson, need and I have low tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To get this thing back on yes, to get this thing you, back on the rails here, I will say you know it's been interesting. Uh, will we talked about this on the radio today 
about these some of these Braves bats and how they've gotten they, they've been obviously a little slow to kind of really get started here. Obviously, they had the big breakout against the Mets that night. But I think that, you know, the Braves have pitched, play, played against some really top quality pitching so sure. far this year. Um, I do want to think I do want to play a little bit from Dansby kind of talking after that for, after they scored that those 14 runs. He said something that really reminded me a lot of what people were talking about with this team last year. Um, a little bit. So it, it's deep. Um, it's consistent. Uh, and, and the the prom- most promising thing is just any different kind of game, you know, we can play home runs or, uh, you know, small ball or, you know, using our speed. It's a very dynamic team, uh, which is, is very fun to be a part of. I, and I think I think against the Mets, we saw them play. We saw that three different games, three different games, uh, pitchers duel in game one a game where you won late in game two, and then you won uh, a slugfest. And I feel like that's uh, that's the thing. You know, we've talked a lot about what organizational depth means, and a lot of times that peop- that means that, oh, you just have a lot of players in a lot of different positions. But I also feel like the, the quality and the character of their depth is another thing that makes them a viable threat to the rest of the National League is the fact that they can win games in different ways, whether it's with speed and moving runners over the old-fashioned way, whether it's by a game where you need a lot of power or a game where you get a good start from Mike Soroka and hopefully a little bit more run support. I mean, that's that's kind of the way that the Braves are going to have their success this year is being able to adapt to the kind of game that they find themselves in. Also, dare I say that Dansby Swanson is the Braves' best hitter currently? Yeah. Like, first <laughs> off, right. he came or Mar- back. Or Marcelo Zuna. Or yeah, Marcelo true. Zuna. I would put Dansby up there, though. I mean, he has, he's got more hits. He's got a better slugging percentage. Uh, the the man. Uh, <laughs> a lot of it came in one game. A lot of it came in one game or two games. Yes. But in, this is in the fairness, t- well, when he came, first of all, when he came back from this whole pandemic thing, like, Dansby looked yoked. Yeah. Like, the man was yeah. clearly in the gym. And that that's that makes a difference. I do think that we are going to have these small sample size theater overreactions too over the course of of this sixty game sprint, which <laughs> yeah, I'm very much uh, very much looking forward to because it does feel like every day is a playoff day, which is something that Joe, you were uh, you were a big proponent of. Yeah, uh, I, I will say with Dansby, it's really uh, encouraging to see him going the other way. You know, he hit that home run. Was it against the Mets? Uh, it must have been against yeah, against yeah. the Mets in that fourteen yeah. run game. Yep, uh, where he where he hit the homer the other way, and that is the exact spot where when he was his hottest last year, he was hitting balls to that that same exact area over and over again until he had his injury. And I so I think that that's one of the most encouraging thing to see out of Dansby is him hit that home run there. And then he hit the other one, the one against the Rays to dead center. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive power. And the Braves have power that kind of goes throughout their lineup, you know, like even all the way down to the bottom Dan guys like Dansby, you've got uh, Austin Riley who's hitting in what sixth or seventh so far, even William Contreras has shown power so far. Um, I, I did want to kind of touch on Austin Riley too. I think he's been a really interesting guy to follow in these early days because uh, he's a guy who obviously was got off to a super hot start. Those first like 42 games, I want to say, or 42 days or however long it was, he was absolutely tearing it up. But I, I was looking at the stats the other day when Austin mentioned that he said a walk is more important for him right now than a home run, or he like he like prefers a walk to a home run right now. 
And he had 18 homers last year and 16 walks. And so I think that it's really um, that will be kind of a nice little measuring stick for us to use in terms of uh, engaging his improvement. But I did want to play um, uh, Brian Snicker talking about him. Yeah, and I, like I said, I just I look at the take. I, I was looking at the takes a little, you know, during the spring because some of the balls that he would bite on last year, he's he was take. He had some really good takes today. I thought, um, and if he's doing that, he's putting himself in a position to narrow, you know, to narrow a pitcher down and be able to use all that power. I mean, it's it's um, he, he's. You know, he's coming, man. He's, he's getting there. And, and um, you know, I, I look at that as much as the result. Because, like I say, he just missed a couple. Because um, a guy like that, he starts, get, you know, we saw what he could do. You know, and, and, and he's making adjustments. And, and um, so, you know, because he's that kind of guy that, man, he goes off. He can carry it. I do want to uh, recognize the play of William Contreras as well. Uh, the Braves catcher who uh, made his major league debut over the weekend played very, very well in the series against the Mets. Uh, got his first major league RBI and his first major league hit in the same game and in the same at bat, I should say. I said that also as a way to reference the fact that, according to what Brian Snicker said before Tuesday night's game, looks like both Tyler Flowers and Travis Darno are feeling better, which is an encouraging sign for the Braves catching situation. I don't know if Contreras has made a bid to stay with the big club right now, if they're both back by the time we get to the end of the weekend, but I think he has made his case to be the next man up if, say, you're not getting what you need out of either Travis or Tyler. Well, I think at the at the bare minimum, he passed Alex Jackson. Yeah, uh, true. You know, the, the future, as far as if we're looking at future catcher of the Atlanta Braves, Contreras... Yeah put his name up there and it also helps when your big brother you know who's who's with another big league club comes out and says oh well, he yeah stumped for him he stumped for I, him yeah it was, I, I think he can be better than me and everybody's kind of like oh huh and i you know it's 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 honestly it's half production and half getting in the minds of people and once you start convincing people based on outside perspectives of like, yeah, maybe this guy really is good. Then I think as a, as a club, you start convincing yourself of, yeah, maybe this is the guy. Now, obviously I don't think they're going to do anything drastic, like, you know, designate Tyler flowers or anything wild like that, but he's definitely put his, his self up there as, as a guy, the Braves are going to have to take very seriously as soon as I would think next season. It's been so encouraging to see him actually put up the production now that the season has gotten going because he was just getting such rave reviews from essentially everybody I heard from, whether it's the other writers, whether it's the, the um, you know, Brian Snicker talking about him. Dansby Swanson talked about him after the uh, during the Mets series as well. So I think he's done such a tremendous job. We, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, just about uh, Sal doing a great job of getting those guys prepared. Um, and, and, and also just being around those veteran guys around him. And, uh, you know, he's obviously been around the game for a while, just with his brother. And, um, you know, you can tell that, that he's definitely thinking through some things, um, you know, when he's playing. He, he's, he's very, very, very gifted. Um, and it's pretty awesome to see what he's going to be able to uh, provide as he gets older and, and, and sees the game in a different way. And, you know, it really starts to slow down for him. Like I said, you get in the minds of other players, especially ones on your own team, and if they start speaking up for you, 
you know, I say we look to next season for for Contreras to really see some time, but pfft, let Tyler Flowers struggle at any point this season. And as we've seen, you know, the front office, AA and Snicker, they'll pull the plug. So I make the drastic transition to <laughs> the game at large, and we all know by now the story involving the Miami Marlins and their bevy of positive tests. Major League Baseball has said that they do not want to have them play the rest of the weekend. Uh, Their games against the Phillies have been postponed. Phillies will not play again until the weekend against Toronto. Uh, The Yankees and Orioles will play each other beginning tomorrow. I say, basically, did we just waste the last 27 minutes of our time? Well, it's it's funny that you say that because, look, I just went 27 minutes without being the Eeyore of the group like I have been the last few weeks saying, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to finish this thing. But it's just the – look, it's the fact. The fact that, you know, everyone is saying, all right, well, the Marlins are the only team who have had positive tests in the last week, but they went from having, you know, what, 12 or 11 or 12 to now we're up in 19, depending on how many coaches. We might be in the 20s. I can't exactly remember doesn't honestly really matter it's It's a lot Bob it's a lot yeah it's over half the team you can't just go out and field over half the team in in future prospects and by signing guys like the Marlins are going to be out of things here's the problem everybody keeps saying this is just like FC Dallas over in Major League Soccer it's not because FC Dallas was in a bubble they didn't follow instructions in a bubble and they got kicked out of the bubble No one here is in a bubble. So it is absolutely possible that two weeks from now, it could be the Mets. It could be the Yankees. It could be name team here that that all of a sudden starts, they have an outbreak of the virus. And then what, are we going to do the same thing there where... Because we are now at the point with the Marlins out, the Braves play, you know, like there are a lot of important teams that are going to be making playoff pushes that are now potentially not going to have games against the Marlins. So now instead of going by best record, we're going to have to go by, uh, uh, I'm blanking, a winning percentage. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, laying out the playoffs that way. But if someone else drops out, like, I I want Major League Baseball to be able to figure this thing out. I just don't know if it happens again or, you know, potentially is worse than this time. I don't know what they can do because the Marlins are having this problem because they knew about the positive tests and they played anyways. I, I, I think what the Marlins story is really showing us right now is that the virus will spread pretty quickly and rampantly throughout a team based on how, at least how the Marlins were interacting with the, within themselves, within their own group, which we assume is no, not much different than many other teams around baseball in terms of, you know, giving each other daps or, or, or being in the clubhouse with each other and whatnot. I, I think, you know, I, we talked about this obviously pretty extensively leading up to the season, but major league baseball's kind of premise seemed to be centered around we know there's going to be positive cases, but let's make sure those positive cases don't extrapolate in, you know, exponentially and infect a whole ton of people so that we can isolate those cases, move them to the COVID list, move the players, you know, get players from the reserves in to replace them and then play that way. But it, it, this Marlin situation appears that 
when the virus enters, if it enters this little micro population, which is in this case, the team, it spreads very quickly throughout. Like, you know, these guys are in a clubhouse together and there is a lot of close contact that happens in those situations. And I just don't know. Yeah, we don't know exactly if, if like what protocols were maybe being adhered to or not being adhered to, but. I think it's just, it, yeah, it is kind of a, a, a an illustration of how rampant things can get within a one individual team. At the risk of saying the exact same things that both you guys said, Rob Manfred's a stooge, find him to be a liar <laughs> or dumb. I don't particularly take anything that he says seriously, and every time he opens his mouth, he makes things worse. We got that all clear? Is that all good? Cool. It's okay. never good when you're going on, you're going on, uh, national television you're going this is not nightmare scenario <laughs> like, well not only that like the- <laughs> okay so i get that he has to go on his own network like his own yeah. uh sports network but like i want him back on there with carl ravich like that's who I, that's carl ravich is the hero we need maybe not the one we deserve but the one hero we need in order to go back to rob manford and say hey uh buddy when uh when we talked a couple of months ago and uh, you guys were you know, chortling about money and and whether or not you wanted to mitigate your losses, you weren't really worried about the health and safety protocols, were you? Were you? Were you really? Huh? 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 Well, it is just the pure fact that a, an entire organization can know about positive tests and not have to tell anyone. Like they, the Marlins played no oversight. They had they yeah they they played knowing they had guys who had coronavirus. And potentially could have spread it to an entire other team. And now you've got this whole thing of guys being like, well, I don't want to play the Marlins. Do you want to play the Marlins? No, I don't want to play the Marlins. You know, and <laughs> like just the, I don't know, how how this spirals into such a big deal from one bad decision just shows me that, that it, it just seems like Major League Baseball can't be trusted or each team cannot be trusted without some kind of of outside, you know, third party involvement. And and I, and I think that, you know, I think that we have a tendency when I say we, I just mean people who sure. in and around baseball to kind of look at this situation like, well, it's just the Marlins. But like, what if like it, this could have happened to any team, you know, and, and like because it happened well, to the Marlins, a team that's not going to be contending for a postseason spot. You know, it's like it's like, OK, well, it's just the Marlins. But like if this happens to the Yankees or the Braves or like some other, you know, obviously they would have shut, shut the it, whole league down if it was the it Yankees. It a different that. conversation, I think. Well, and that's the thing is that the Phillies were going on to play the Yankees. Yeah. If yeah. the Yankees get shut down. By, you know, just a handful of cases, there is all-out chaos. And it is one of those, here's the other thing, is by teams not getting to play the Marlins because the Marlins suck, and that's just almost an automatic win, you're taking wins away from teams. So you're you're further just screwing this all up, and <laughs> uh, I'm so scared. All right. Before I say something that's going to get me either fired or in trouble or sued for libel, we will conclude 
Hopefully we have better news on the back end of this next week. Hopefully we have better news regarding the Braves' rotation as they go through this series with the Rays and uh, renew again their rivalry with the Mets as the uh, homestand that should be the real clear barometer of where the Braves will be. Uh, at least the early part of the season continues and begins on Wednesday. Check out the Batter Up podcast, the radio.com app, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also tweet us at Patrick 200 at ATL Johnson 18 and yours truly at Willie P. Style. For Caleb Johnson, for Joe Patrick, I'm Will Pelagic saying thanks for listening to Batter Up, a radio.com and 92.9 The Game exclusive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.